Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. You got your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Samuel 15, and I won't embarrass anybody else about the clothes you're wearing. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 15, we're going to talk about something today. Leanne uh, kind of started the day off in our first service being really honest about some things, and it was really kind of cool to see that, and I'm actually going to share today uh, what's, what's probably, uh, throughout the course of my life, probably been one of the biggest struggles I've had uh, as an individual, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the fear of man today. Uh, raise your hand if you've ever heard the term, the fear of man. Uh, we'll talk some about that thing, explain more. But I want to read a scripture starting off in 1 Samuel chapter 15 that kind of illustrates the point of the fear of man, the consequences uh, and the repercussions of, of giving in to the fear of man. It's a bit, bit long, so we'll get through it. Um, starting in verse 1, it says, And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his, people, uh, over his people Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing him on the way when they came out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul summoned the people and numbered them in that word that starts with a T, 200,000 men on foot and 10,000 men of Judah. I guess nobody else thought that was funny. Um, you try reading in, a bunch, in front of a bunch of people. Uh, and Saul came to the city of Amalek and went away to the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go depart, go down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people... I want you to look at this word right here, but, this phrase here. But Saul and the people. So God tells Saul, go destroy everyone. Go destroy everyone and everything. Well, all of a sudden, Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the, of the oxen and the fattened calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. Let's skip down to verse 13. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be, be you to the Lord. I perform the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, if so, then what is this bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best. What, what happened here? First of all, it was Saul and the people. All of a sudden, Saul's out of the equation. It's just these people, Lord. The people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to the sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop, I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he said to him, speak. And Samuel said, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go to devote yourself to the destruction of sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce, pounce on the spool and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I've gone on a mission on which the Lord sent me. I've brought Agag and the king of Amalek, and I've devoted to the Amalekites' destruction. But the people, Lord, took the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice, the voice of the Lord? Behold, it is a be is, I'm sorry, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen, the fat of rams. 
For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. Now here's what I really want us to focus on here today. Look what Saul's response is. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people, and I obeyed their voice. I want to talk about that phrase today, because I feared the people, and talk about the the, the, the fear of man. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25 says, says it this way, the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Fear of man. What is, the, what is the fear of man? Simply put, the fear of man is holding man's opinion, man's, man's opinion of you or anything else for that matter, in a weightier position than you hold the word of God and the opinions of God. For your life. Now, if, 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 if we were all asked the question, whose opinion is, the, is of the greatest value in your life, man or God's, it's a snap answer. All of us would say God. Yet at the exact same time, in every single one of our lives, there are areas where the way we respond to certain things would say exactly the opposite. We care more about people's opinions about our lives, what people think we should or should not do, than we do the commandments of God and the voice of the Lord, and what he thinks about us. We go back to our story here in Samuel. Here you've got a king who's been anointed by God. He's got a call of his God on his life. He's anointed by God. And that word anointed simply means a, a supernatural power to do the job he was called to do. So he's, he's got a call on his life. He's got the power to do it. He steps out in faith. God gives him an assignment to go do something. He steps out in faith to follow through with what God's called him to do. He wins the war that he was sent to fight, but all of a sudden, somewhere in the mix, the voices of other people started ringing in his ear. Other people's opinions started ringing in his ear. And what's interesting about this is there's not a lot of detail as to what exactly these people uh, were, were saying and why it is that all of a sudden Saul went from following God to following the voice of the people. All we know is in some form or fashion, he changed. He turned and he gave into that. I'll say what's true in my life is there's been times in my life where it wasn't necessarily the pressure of people or people actually saying, I don't want you to do this or I don't think you should do this. It's that little, that little voice in your head, and you probably recognize this voice, where the enemy comes and drops this little thought in your head and says, if you do this, what's so-and-so going to think? If you do this, what's this person going to think? They don't even have to have an opinion. They don't even have to express their opinion. All the enemy has to do is insert a thought into your mind, and you give in to the fear of man through a thought placed there by the enemy, and all of a sudden you're following the opinions of man, which was a seed planted by the enemy, instead of following the voice of God. I, there's not a person in this room, not a person, not one person in this room. I, I know people... Uh, especially men, we, we, we love to say this. Well, I don't care what anybody thinks. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. We all deal with the fear of man. We all deal with giving in to some. And I, it may have a very spiritual package. You may, you, I, I know for a, a lot of years in my life, there were, because of maybe just a touch wrong theology uh, and the fear of man, there were spiritual leaders in my life where I held their words in too heavy of a position in my life. I'll just say this, and it doesn't do my position or my title in this organization any favors, but 
Although I'm sent as a mouthpiece to God, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 that God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to perfect saints for the work of the ministry. I'm no more spiritual than you are. I just have a different job than you do. My job is simply to equip you so that you can do the work of the ministry. And although I'm here to equip, equip you with some tools and some resources to do the work of the ministry and to hear God on your behalf, I miss it sometimes. I get it wrong sometimes. And if you pay more attention to my voice than you do his voice, you will eventually miss the call of God on your life. I can't have a relationship with God for you. I can't hear God's voice for you all the time. There are cases, there are instances where God will use mouthpieces to speak to you. But you know what the only reason he does that for is? To entice you to go talk to him some more. If you, call, if you come to church, like, oh my gosh, I got to get to church, man. I need, I need to get me some Jesus. Just so you know, some Jesus is available all the time. <laughs> just letting, just letting, letting the cat out of the bag right off the bat here. And that's what God does. He uses these fivefold office of gifts to, to, to entice you, to give you some of that. But I, I, I may miss it. And there may be some times where I say some things or I do some things wrong. I have a flesh of my own and I am not going to be perfect. There are people that are out of the will of God. They're not even pursuing God and they're blaming a spiritual leader for what he did to them. Try this side of the room. <laughs> it's true. There, you, you, you have to have a... a a vibrant, the Bible says, my sheep know my voice. So if you're a sheep, you should know his voice. And his words, now the good news is, is he gives us a little starter kit called the Bible, not like it's elementary in and of itself, but it's like, okay, I don't know how to hear God's voice. What you do is you put these words in your heart, and then all of a sudden when the still small voice on the inside seems to be saying the same things that's on these papers, you go, oh, wait a minute, I think God's talking. So that you get his words on the inside of you. So when you start, so you start to value his words over anybody else's words. Amen? That was, that was a free one for somebody, I guess. But as, as we see in, in Saul's life, so here, here's this guy who's got a call of God on his life. He's got an assignment from God and is having some victory. But all of a sudden gives into the fear of man and it causes major, major problems in his life. All of a sudden, the, the Bible te teaches us that the, the, the anointing to do the job of the king of Israel was lifted to him. If you know the rest of the story, God says, I'm going to go find a man after my own heart. Who was that man? David. David. The call of God, the anointing to be king of Israel was taken off of Saul and given to David. And it was said of David, I will find a man after mine own heart. Also saying, I'm going to find someone who's more after my heart than he is the people's heart. I'm going to go find someone who wants to hear what I have to say and will listen to what I have to say more than he's listening to what his mother-in-law or his mom or his grandma or this other preacher or this other friend from work has to say. He wants to hear he wants someone who's after his heart. This, this is an interesting thing, um, and I'll just say this. We, we are a church, in case you're new here, we are a church that believes that God is still speaking he actually is still talking to his people. And so, uh, and one of the ways he does that is through prophetic words and where, where God will give uh, somebody uh, a word, a, a direction, and, and show them something, something that God's saying or something that God's doing. Uh, I, I genuinely believe that this particular message is, is just that kind of a message. We were actually having a, to tell you a little bit about how this, uh, this message came about, we were actually having a, um, a family dinner the other day. And one of my daughters, it was time to try out for a sports team. 
and she had never played before, but I kind of got the hint that she might want to try out. And so we asked, hey, are you, are you trying out? And she kind of gave one of those looks like, nah, I don't think I'm going to try out. And I, it was one of those moments where as a mom or a dad, you kind of know there's something more to this story here. So uh, as I dug in a little deeper, it wasn't that she didn't want to play basketball. That's not why she was not trying out. What she didn't want was to face the rejection from those around her if she didn't make the team. Fear of man. It starts at an early age. I remember having to deal with this, and I was talking with some, so, some people between services. It, it's like seventh grade. All these weird things start happening to little human beings. The way their brain works or the way their brain does not work, and it, it's, a, it's an interesting time. And I remember when I was in the seventh grade uh, dealing with some things just like this. When I was in seventh grade, I was, I, I was on the football team. Seventh grade football, it's a big deal, uh, and we were, we were playing one of our rivals on this away game, and it was one of those typical scenarios, four or five seconds left, seven seconds left, fourth quarter, we're driving the ball down the field, we're in field goal range, we're down by one, a field goal will win the game, and who do you think the field goal kicker is? A yours truly. And so we, I, I line up, nervous as I'll get out to kick this game-winning field goal, perfect snap, perfect hold, perfect kick right into the butt of the center. I mean, I kicked him right square in the middle. I mean, I, you want to talk about splitting the uprights. I, uh, oh, and, it, and he, oh, and turned around. I'm like, whoops. And I remember just getting harassed so much and just cr literally crying all the way home on the bus ride because nobody wanted to sit by the guy who kicks the center in the butt and can't kick a field goal, you know? And I, and I remember dealing with that uh, right off the bat of what other people think of me. And, and I'm telling this, this story to my daughter, like all my, you know, the, the times where it didn't work out for me. And I, you would think that one time in your seventh grade year is enough to, uh, enough lesson. Oh no, I played basketball too. And, uh, we were in a tournament, and I had, we, it was the same scenario. One of the guys on the other team buries a free throw to tie the game with seconds left. All we got to do is go down the court and try to make a game-winning shot. And I had remembered seeing a situation where if you, roll, if you were the inbounder and you rolled the ball, the clock wouldn't start. So in my head, I'm going to roll the ball for a little while, let our guy pick it up, and we'll have more time to, to, to score. Except for the fact that I rolled the ball at the speed a third-year-old might roll a bowling ball. And I just, I barely let, for some reason, I just barely let go of the ball. And as soon as I did, the whole stands goes, ah! Oh! And the kid, I'm still standing out of bounds. And the other team just ran, grabbed it, made a layup, and won the game. And I'm standing there out of bounds like, well, that didn't go the way I was wanting it to go. <laughs> and I mean, the rest of the year, people would walk by me in the hallways go, Connor, won't you roll the ball again? You know, like, shut up, you know. You have situations from an early age where you're, you start being disappointments, failures, things where you don't quite hit the mark, and the harassment, the, 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 the words, the opinions of people start to choke the, the, the fervor, if you will, of ever doing anything again. I, I wrote it down this way. Fear of man will cause you to allow past mistakes and past disappointments from, and keep you from taking current steps of faith. Fear of man will cause you to allow past mistakes, past disappointments to keep you from taking current steps of faith. I know I went on and, and I actually, I, I didn't quit sports, thank goodness, and, and had some moments where I, I, I had some success in the area of, of sports. But that's what, that's what the fear of man will do. 
the fear of man comes in and it drops these little thoughts and it reminds you, the Bible calls the, the devil the accuser of the brethren. And so he's constantly trying to bring these accusations in hope that you'll start caring what other people think about you instead of what he says about you. I wrote some things down, and again, I'm, I'm going to call you, I'm just going to read these because I, I felt these were specific. Just, the Bible says, believe the prophet, so shall you prosper. Here's why I'm saying that. I, I, I share this story about, you know, the, the situation with my daughter and trying out for the basketball team. Of course, I told her all my, my stories, and she's like, you know what, I think you're right, Dad. I think I'm dealing with some fear of man. It's like, welcome to a preacher's house, you know. And, and I come to work the next day. I go in to meet with Josh, our executive pastor, who, who's very prophetic. And I hadn't talked to anybody about this, wasn't, hadn't been talking about the fear of man. And he said, hey, I need to talk to you. I just feel really strongly. There was this phrase you used to say a lot. I haven't heard you say it very often here lately. But there was this phrase that you, you would say a lot. And I feel strongly that the Lord wants us to start talking about it again. It's the phrase, the fear of man. I said, yeah, that's interesting. We just had a big discussion about that, that last night. Here, here's why I'm saying that. There are, there are seasons of time, I said God's always speaking, we believe that God is speaking to us. When God starts speaking in a specific direction, that means there's a moment in time, a window, where if by faith you'll get in flow with the season, things will break off of your life that they won't break off in any other time or in season. So when we talk about the fear of man, as I list some of these issues, if there's an issue in your life in, in, in any area, but specifically some of the ones I'm fixing to mention, you have to say, by faith, that word is for me, I'm not going to deal with the fear of man in that area anymore. And you have to learn to fill in the blank in your own life, sitting right wherever, wherever it is that you're sitting. So I, I've watched this happen. I've watched people go through divorce and the pain and the disappointment of divorce, or, or, or we'll just call it broken relationships. And all of a sudden, the disappointment of, I thought this was the one, I thought this person cared about me, I thought this person loved me, and all of a sudden, it didn't work out the way you wanted it to work out. And now, all of a sudden, you still have the desire for love, but the fear of man has got you paralyzed in fear. There's something you crave so much, but you're not putting yourself out there uh, the, the, the way you once were, and you weren't pursuing people that you may have actually feelings for. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a paralyzing fear, the paralyzing fear of man of what will they think, what do they think about me. Apparently, I wasn't good enough the first time. I wasn't good enough for this person. The fear of man paralyzing you from pursuing something that's in your heart. I've seen this happen with people who, who, took, it a, who took a risk, took a, uh, went out on a bit business venture, and things didn't work out the way that they thought they were going to work out. Next thing you know, we got bankruptcy and lawsuits and this and that, the other, all because you went after something that was in your heart that God may have placed in your heart. Maybe there was some wisdom issues. Maybe there were some things that just didn't go your way. Whatever the case is, but now all of a sudden, the fear of man, other people's opinions of you, your reputation in business has got you stuck and not pursuing this thing that you once were so passionate about. There are some of you in this room, I alluded to it, alluded to it earlier. There are some of you in this room that are called to be leaders in this church. You're called to be leaders in this church. But because of an experience you had at a previous church when a church leader did you wrong or, or this happened and that happened and things didn't work out the way in that, in that previous church and all of a sudden there's a spiritual wound there from a spiritual leader and all of a sudden you're holding the church hostage for what an individual did in a moment. Maybe because you placed that person's opinion in too high of a place in your life in the first place. And yet here you are in this place and you're called to lead in this church, but the fear of man has you sitting in a seat and no one has any idea of the wisdom that you have. There are young people here that need the wisdoms that you have in business, need the wisdoms that you have in family, but because of the fear of man, we, this body, this church doesn't have access to it. 
this is a funny one, but I just know a lot of, uh, a lot of women deal with this. Dieting. where you've gone for this diet, and I, I'm gonna, I, I have these physical goals, I want to I lose this weight, or I want to do this, and all of a sudden you go for it, and then you backslide, and then you go for it, and then you backslide, and you go for it, and you backslide, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, it's like, I'm not getting a membership to the gym, I'm not going to walk in there and get the look of shame, like, I ain't seen you in about three months. <laughs> three months ain't bad for, I mean, how about 30 years, <laughs> I mean, but all of a sudden, it's the fear of man, that, and, all, and I'm not going to tell anybody I'm on a diet, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not going to tell them, because they've heard all the different diets that I'm on. And they look at your plate, and you've got a, barely enough to feed an infant. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just not that hungry. It's really not that hungry today. Fear of man crippling you from pursuing this, maybe some physical goals that you have. But you have to fill in the blank. What is that thing in your head that you want it, and you have opinions, you have desire, whatever? But every time you move in that direction, you filter it through what 30 other people are going to think before you do anything. You're just frozen. This, this last point here, or one of the last points, fear of man will rob you of your peace. Fear of man will rob you of your peace. 1 John 4, 8 says, There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. I'll say this, because I, I just believe it this strongly. Most of us, on a regular basis, deal with knots, tormenting knots on the inside because of the fear of man. Fear of what this person is going to think. Fear of what this person is going to think. There are some people that it's even in your, it, it's in your marriage. You so care, you care too much, and, and I'm going to try to be careful with this. You care too much about what your spouse thinks of you. You're so trying to make them ha him happy. You're so trying to prove to her that you're not who your dad was and you're not a failure and this time you're going to get, th this thing's going to work out. You're going to provide for, you're, you're in such angst, you're in such turmoil on the inside because of a fear of man with your spouse. I've watched this wreck marriages because someone cares too much. I, I'll, I'm going to be real uh, transparent here. I've, I've, I have, uh, and I told you, this is the thing I've struggled with more than anything my whole life fear of other people's opinions. I, uh, I was honest uh, earlier, earlier this year when I told you I took a job in the, in the oil field. The, I felt like the Lord was calling me into the business world uh, to advance the kingdom in there and, and learn some things. And, um, and I'll, I'll just say, I, I think it was less about where he needed me and more about what he needed me to learn, if I'm being 100% honest. So I move, I move into this position that we, me and the owner of this company pretty much make up. It's like it's not even a real position. He's like, well, what do you want to call this thing? Because the, the, the goal is to bring kingdom values into this, into this business. And um, it's, as excited as I was about it, interestingly enough, not everyone in the oil field is excited about bringing the kingdom into the oil field. It was weird. Uh, now, what, what you have to understand is I'm a church kid. I don't have a, a career in the oil field. I don't know anything hardly about the oil field. I mean, a few things. I, I, I'm not a career oil field guy. I'm simply trying to hear God. I feel like I got a word from God, and I'm moving on this word from God. However, when I start moving, I, I shared with you that I did it. What I didn't share with you is that it hadn't exactly been a bed of roses. Apparently, some people were not as excited about kingdom values in the marketplace. They liked it exactly the way they had it. And so all of a sudden, and now understand this. Here, we're going to park that car right here for a second. Let's move over here. 
Renew Life Church, like I said, I'm a church kid, but Renew Life Church, we planted this church four years ago. This is not me bragging. This is me telling you the truth. It's been a team effort and you're a part of it. Renew Life Church has pretty much been nothing but success. When I go around the country and talk to different pastors from other parts of the country and at conferences and things like that, and they hear about what's happening at Renew Life Church, whether it's numerical growth, whether it's our influence in the community, whether it's financial, uh, it's the, the, the finances of our church are uh, miraculous at times. And when I tell some of the stories to other pastors, they literally hate me. They just hate me for some of the stories that we tell. It's pretty much been nothing but success. I've been doing the church my whole life, so I've got experience in it. We planted this church, pretty much everything's worked. Our, we've had no staffing issues. We've had no uh, issues what's, pretty much whatsoever. It's, and as weird as this sounds, it's pretty much been easy. Can I just say this to you? When, think, when you have a bunch of experience, a bunch of talent, a bunch of money, and a bunch of success, oftentimes you have no idea whose approval you're living on anyways. When everything's working, you may think, oh, God just loves me and I'm just leaning on the approval of God and he's just blessing this thing and da-da-da-da. Yeah, until it, stops, until it stops working. Until the talent runs out, until the money runs out, until the growth stops or till whatever. And all of a sudden you start to realize, ooh, maybe I was a little more contingent on somebody else's approval than I was God's approval in the first place. And if I'm being honest with you, it's exactly what happened to me. I get out in the oil field. I have no skill set. So I can't lean on the years of experience and, and the success that I've had and the accolades that I've had. I got none of that. So I can't lean on that experience. And I'll just say this too. Usually when I leave on Sunday and I get off this stage, people come up to me. And, and most of them, I, I can't tell you one time where someone's just come up to me and said, I'm going to be honest with you, Pastor, that's one of the worst messages I've ever heard. In fact, I love Jesus less right now because of you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I've never had that said. You know, what, you know what I get? Oh, my God, Pastor. Man, that just, that just changed my life. That just, this, this church, this, oh, my gosh. So you, I'm getting all this approval. And then I went to work in this other place, and they don't listen to my sermons, apparently. So I find myself in this place where I have no uh, victories of, to, to lean on. I have nobody singing my praises, and I am left to stand on one thing and one thing alone. What did God tell you to do? And I found myself in a very hard-to-admit kind of place. I had no peace. I had lost my peace. I was waking up on Monday morning. I, I never am in a bad mood when I wake up. There was some Monday mornings where I woke up, and I was just not wanting to be there. I almost punched a guy, too. I, need, I feel like I need to get that off my chest. I just... <laughs> I literally, I, to, I, I, I told Leanne, I was like, I got a problem. I'm literally thinking, I'm, I replayed the conversation, how it's going to happen, and I'm going to hit him right in the lip. I mean, I'm just going to hit him right in the lip. And so she goes, no, no, you, you need to call somebody. So I called this mentor friend of mine. I was like, hey, man, I, I'm struggling. What is it? I want to punch this guy. I'll be there in a few minutes. You know, <laughs> We need to meet. But, and I, I literally, all of a sudden, I had this, this moment where I went, what in the world is wrong with me? I, haven't, I don't even fight. I, I'll probably get beat up anyway. You see the skinny jeans? I mean, nobody can find skinny jeans. I'm like, and I thought, what in the world is wrong with me? And then it, the Lord began to speak to me. And I began to realize I didn't have anybody's accolade, or I didn't have any accolades to lean on. I didn't have anybody else's approval to lean on. All of a sudden, I had one thing to lean on, and it was a word from God, and I wasn't doing so hot. Fear of man. I, had, I still had issues 
of the fear of man where I was caring more about what someone thought about me or what someone was saying about me or what someone was saying I did or, or whatever than I did about the assignment of God that was on my life. And all of a sudden, I'm being ineffective on an assignment and in an assignment because I haven't dealt with my issues. Now, here's the good news. I, I said, okay. I went out and realized that I'm, I'm usually pretty quick to say, okay, we got to get this right. And I, and I just went in there and I just said, Lord, I repent. I repent for not holding your words so heavy in my heart, for following through with your assignment and allowing the, 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 the fear of man to cripple me and to paralyze me and rob me of my peace. And you know what's good news? I care a whole lot less about what you think about me than I did six months ago. And that's a good thing. Because as, as your pastor and as a, as a spokesperson, as a, as a fivefold office person, if, I've, if I'm bound up by the fear of man, God can tell me to tell you something. If I filter it through my fear of man, I'm going to knock, maybe I, I might knock some edges off and kind of, well, Lord, we don't want to tell them that. They might leave. They might not give as much in the offering or that might. No, we need, to, we need to soften what we're saying here. We need to change what we're saying here. Fear of man. Let me ask you this. What is, what, what is that in your life? What might that be in your life? where the Lord's calling you to go this way, but fear of man. What do my friends think? What will my wife think? What will my husband think? What will my kids think? Well, I think I'm a hypocrite. If all of a sudden I start pursuing God and they know the guy I used to be, they know the guy I was this morning. Fear of man. Fear of man cripples you and keeps you from moving where God's called you to be. Uh, uh, two things, and then we'll close. Two things that will help you eradicate the fear of God in your life. Two things. Number one, obey God's word, therefore giving him an opportunity to make good on his promises. It's real hard to have the promises of God be the loudest voice in your mind if you've never acted on the promises of God and have a testimony in return. You need it. There, there will be some seasons in life and some opportunities and some situations you'll deal with in life that the only thing that's going to get you through is one of your own testimonies. Not my testimony. Not your friend's testimony, not your mom's testimony, your testimony. Revelations 12, 11, and they had defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. Just, not, not, this is not a condemnation thing. This is not saying obey so God will still love you. He's going to love you no matter what. You just might take some lumps. You, things just might not go the way you want them to go. But ask yourself this question. What's the last testimony that you could tell about your life? Was it five weeks ago, five minutes ago, five years ago, or do you even have a testimony where without understanding the whole thing, you acted on the Word of God, you obeyed the Word of God, and your obedience triggered His faithfulness, and now there's, there, you, well, maybe it's about tithing, maybe it's about forgiveness, maybe it's about parenting, maybe it's about church attendance, maybe it's about serving. What is that thing where you acted on the Word of God, and now you have a testimony to hold and say, this is, this is my testimony? Every time you act on the word of God and then he, he, he responds in faithfulness, in his faithfulness, and you have a testimony. Now all of a sudden, when the fear of man comes and attacks you, you've got one of his promises also talking in your ear. Yeah, someone might think this, but do you remember last time? Last time you thought this would go this way. Last time you thought this was how the situation was going to turn out, but you chose to follow the word of God and act on the word of God. Sometimes it's just simple obedience to the word of God. Number two, how to eradicate the fear of man. Find yourself and stay hidden 
in Christ. Find yourself and stay hidden in Christ. We are excellent as Americans at finding ourselves in our own efforts. Finding ourselves in what we're, how much money we're worth. Finding ourselves in what kind of car we drive. Finding ourselves in how we look. Finding ourselves in the house we live in. Finding ourselves in the talents that we possess. And all of a sudden, when that starts to get stripped away, because there's always somebody more talented, there's always someone richer, there's always someone more uh, something, and all of a sudden, the, the, the insecurity creeps in because someone's now more whatever than you are. In your estimation of yourself, are you the sum total of your efforts, your money, your works, or are you the sum total of Jesus? That's what staying hidden, that's what finding yourself in Christ means. I, uh, when I, the Lord was dealing with me this, like I said, this has been something I've struggled with for a large por- portion of my life. And when I was young, it was a real big issue. I remember uh, a pastor of mine told me one time, he's like, when are you going to take that mask off and start being yourself? I was like, <laughs> I love you too. Um, <laughs> he, he needed to say that. I needed to hear it. Uh, now I forgot where I was going. Oh, I had this, I had this dream. And uh, when, I was, when I was young, I, I had this vision. And the Lord was dealing with me about pride and where I, was, where I was finding myself. And in this vision, there were all these wooden stakes in the wall. And one of them said, uh, good at sports. One of them said th- uh, this. And one of them said this. And it was all these intelligent and made the, the you know, GPA and gifted, talented and all these things that when I was growing up in high school, I made this team and I made that team and All-American this and blah, blah, blah. It was all these things. And, and, every, and it, it was uh, every one of those wooden little dowels in the wall said something like that on it. And hanging on every single one of them were all these little plaques that said confidence. And, it was, and I, what I was aware of was all of my confidence, all of it, was on all these other things. And all of a sudden, the, the Lord was taking me on a journey where I would pull one of those pegs out. And, take another, and I would take that, and what was interesting is I would take that confidence and I would hang it on my neck. And then I would go around, and all of a sudden, I pulled it all off, and all of a sudden, I'm sitting here, and I remember feeling so insecure because I had nothing to hang my confidence on. I had nothing left to hang my confidence on. And it was years later that the Lord gave me the, the, the rest of that vision. And he said, there is one, one, one wooden rod and one, one wooden rod only that you're supposed to be hanging your confidence on. It's who you are in Christ, period. I have no confidence in my wealth. I have no confidence in my intellect. I have no confidence in, in anything, my talents. and no confidence in my, no confidence in any of those things. Because the Bible says this in, in Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. Notice it doesn't say I can do everything through Jesus. Jesus was his name. Jesus is his name. But it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, the, uh, it wasn't the Jesusness of him that makes you who you are. It's the Christ that makes you who you are. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He is the anointed one that takes away the sin of the world. You can do all things through that, through that Christ, that take away the sins of the world, that defines who you are, that defines your value. You can do all things through him when he gives you the strength. Not when your talent gives you the strength, not when your money gives you the strength, not when anything else gives you the strength. When who you are in Christ 
is the strength that you're using to do whatever it is he's called you to do. Then and there, you can do everything. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland-Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.